Freebird, Episode 7, Beauty from Ashes. Freebird, the Ashley Freeman story is a Thirsty Goat original podcast. This is Episode 7 of a multi-part story. We encourage you to go back and start at Episode 1 before listening to this episode. Isaiah 61, 1-4 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. This passage couldn't be more true for Ashley. She has been freed from her former devastations. She is liberated from the prison of addiction and can now truly be an oak of righteousness. I had never fully understood this Bible passage until my good friend Kyle McIntosh named his tattoo parlor, Beauty from Ashes, to show its own rise out of addiction and onto a path of fulfillment. During this episode, Ashley discusses what it took for her to finally begin repairing herself. She discusses the use of meditation and truly understanding who she is. She no longer feels the craving of approval from others and to fit in. She is happy with who she is in all ways, including, and more than anything, with her sobriety. Addiction can capture anyone without warning, and the depression and regret that comes along with the addiction only powers the addiction more. If you or someone you love is struggling with addiction, please reach out to 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357 for more information on facilities and services. Addiction is real, but doesn't have to be the period and end to your life. This story of addiction and overcoming the shackles and chains it places on you is my friend Ashley's. We hope you enjoy. Sun is shining in Florida. I'm a free bird smoking on California and Indiana. Previously on Freebird, Ashley discussed the numerous times she would overdose and wake up covered in cold water and had just been Narcaned. Ashley also detailed her last arrest and is looking at an initial offer of 25 years in prison. She talks about what it took to get to the Jackson Jennings Community Corrections and give her a hope for sobriety and filling the hole inside of her. Freebird, Episode 7, Beauty from Ashes. transition just a little bit you know you talked about narcan is almost like withdrawals you've obviously had ups and downs of getting sober and 
and and you know falling back into the cycle of addiction what's that process like trying to come come back to sober trying to clean up as you're going through withdrawals you mean the withdrawals from the narcan no i'm talking bigger you're trying to go so whether you've gotten arrested whether you're in rehab whether it's you're just trying yourself what are those withdrawals like for someone who's never experienced that so, um, suboxone withdrawals are the worst. Um, I and suboxone helps a lot of people, so I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying from personal experience that that is one of the hardest drugs to come off of. Um, and when my mom described um, in that me laying on her floor sick and crying and shaking and you just burned from the inside out. Um, I was trying to come off a of Suboxone for a long time at her house, and this was before it was so available. This was before, you know, a bunch of doctors in the state could prescribe it, and I would, you know, beg her to just go buy me one. Just go get me one somewhere. I don't care where, you know, get me, help me. Um, there's nothing really, there's very little that can take away Suboxone withdrawals, and it's so prolonged. It doesn't... Um, you know, like if if you try to come off a of heroin, three or four days, you're done. It gets out of your system, out of your body, um, and you you know you feel like hell for three days. You puke sick, um, but then it's all uphill from there. With you know Suboxone and Methadone and you know Benzo, Xanax. Clonopin, those things are just really prolonged. And it's awful. I'm trying to think how I want to say this. And it's and it's twenty four seven. I mean it's around the clock, correct? Or is it it's it's not something like when when people think of who've never experienced this, when they think of being sick, obviously, you know, you catch the flu, whatever. It comes in waves. There's times that you feel like shit, and then you maybe don't feel as bad, and maybe it gets worse. This is solid, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't get comfortable. You can't sleep. You're hot. You're cold. You're freezing. I remember um, my mom had this big garden tub in her bathroom, and I would be in there, and I would run as hot a water as I could and lay in it. And I'd be in there for hours. And then the bath, I'd drain it and then refill it and drain it and refill it. I mean, everything hurts. You're burning from the inside out, and then you're freezing, and then you're burning. I mean, it hurts to touch your hand. It hurts to touch your skin. I've hallucinated coming off of that stuff, just Suboxone even. It really makes it understandable how hard it is to not just go get a fix to yeah. it like it even when you're committed that I want to get sober and you've talked a lot on this about you have to want to get sober before you can get sober yeah. but even if you do it's a hard road yeah. to not just say let me have a fix that's easier than yeah. getting through this so when you talk about suboxone being so long 
How long are you talking? A month. And I mean, it's, I have not ever been able to get sober at home from really from anything um, and stay that way. I mean, alcohol was, quitting alcohol was probably, I mean, I had to get prescribed Suboxone. You know, I told you off air, I had to keep trying other things because when you're sick from alcohol, you just go down the street. That's you know, it's legal. You after a couple hours, twenty four hours, two days of it, shaking, sick, can't eat, nothing. It's right there. It's right there. Why am I putting myself through this? It's right there. I'll and I and I'm not worried. And I'm not worried about anything happening. You know what I mean? It's not. Yeah. It's not like I go to meet a dealer, and I may do this, or I may end up right. getting busted. Like you said, I can roll down to the liquor store, and I come back, and yep, it's legal. And I'm fine. And it all comes back to, as we've talked before, you were trying to fill a hole that you had. Yeah. What do you think, because I've said this here with you, you're as complete and confident as I've ever seen you. What do you believe is filling that hole right now? Because you still had it. So what, when we think about what has changed, but what is, what's fulfilling that hole right now that you've struggled with? This isn't really an easy answer. Um, I, I mean, I made a decision in jail that I had to overcome myself you know, um, and you can't overcome yourself until you overcome your mind. It starts in your mind. Um, and I had to learn how to just be in the present moment. When you start trying to control your thoughts, you realize, you know, you realize your mind's a mess. Um, you know, I... I practice, personally, I practice meditation. That's what I do. Um, you know, it's just focusing on anything. You can focus on your breath. You can focus on a sound um, where your mind is at rest and you're concentrating. Um, and that's funny for me being labeled, you know, <laughs> as ADD and I can't focus and I can't sit still and I can't, all these things. Um, I found a way to overcome myself that way. Um, and the more I did it, the better I've gotten at it. Um, at first, though, it was really difficult. You know, um, I had constant, had, I'd have songs stuck in my head, you know. Wake up in the middle and I'm singing a song in my head. And I'm like, where is that coming from? And, um, you know, this has helped me not only to just, you know, I'm in the present moment all the time. I'm not in the past. I'm not in the future. I'm not, so you're not worried. You're not anxious because you're right here. You have everything you need. Um, it's taught me, I mean, I'm, I can focus at work. 
the people who I worked with at Hilux do not believe me at all, you know, because I was a mess at Hilux. I was everywhere. And I'm like, I'm actually a good worker here. They like me, and they don't believe me. They're like, yeah, whatever. But, um, you know, sometimes I do want to run around. <laughs> you know, Sometimes I want to squirrel off and do this and that. But I've t- literally taught myself just to, to stay and do what's in front of me. So I guess the answer is you didn't fill the hole. You removed the hole. I guess you could put it like that, yeah. I mean, because, I, and I think that's pretty profound. As I sat here and listened to you talk, you got rid of that hole that you found a way to control. And I love how you say, I overcame myself. You, you This hole that you felt, this rejection, this, these labels that you've had put on you, whether it's ADD or it's can't focus or you didn't let them define you any longer. So there is no longer a hole because you have redefined yourself and you control your thoughts and your emotions and, and, and how you react to things. So that's, that allows you to define really who you are. Yeah. That's, it's powerful stuff. Really powerful stuff. Let's just talk about, as we talk, because we just, when we've, we've talked about it being a 20-year battle, um, which is, uh, I'd just be real with you, is really hard for me to think about because I feel like we're, I feel like it's not legal for us to go down the, the street and get a drink still. I feel like we're still under 21, but... Right. Um, unfortunately, that is not the case. Um, when we talk about 20 years, how many years you talked about, you know, when you get in the cycle of locked up and in institutions and rehabs and how many years, how much time have you spent institutionalized or locked up? Um, so I added it up and it's right between, it's between eight and a half and nine years in institutions, um, jail, prison, um, house arrest, rehabs. It's a long time. Especially when you think about that the other 11 and a half years you're not talking about was cycling back and forth. I'm going to ask you this, what, because we, we talked earlier that, you know, being locked up was never, ba- I don't want to say it the wrong way, you never had terrible times in lockup. I don't know if that's the right way to put that or not. Um, Like you said, you, you don't want to tell anybody. You wish you could come on here and say you had all these horrible experiences, stay away, but you were able to survive it through your personality. What do you think, when you look back at those eight and a half years that you've had, what's the biggest lesson that you take away from it? Well, um, so... If it was, you know, 
nine, eight, nine years all at once. Um, that'd be one thing. You know, this was in and out, in and out, in and out. Um, try, fail, try, fail, you know, trial and error repeatedly. Uh, and every single time I learned something. So it's not a, it's not a loss. It looks that way. It looked that way to my family, to, you know, my kids waiting on me. It looked that way to, you know, the people who had to pick up the pieces, my mom. Um, but, you know, each time I learned more about myself, um, I learned, you know, I, I really learned how powerless I was. And it took me, it took me so long. I mean, it took me so long to realize that I could not do this. I just couldn't do it. I wasn't willing to, you know, I wasn't suicidal. It wasn't like I was willing to take that, take that exit. But um, I just had to be broke down completely, completely you know, and just stay that way for a while. You know, and I love the way you just put that. You know, and it reminds me of like that, you know, being in the school system, we have all those goofy posters, but it reminds me of the one like the path to success and it's up and down and up and down and up and down. That's really your story. Yeah. You learn something every time, but it it's difficult for anyone on the outside to see that you're learning something because it's a very black and white thing when you're not in the cycle of addiction. It seems so easy to us. Just don't use, just, just choose, just don't use. And, And it seems very black and white, but it's so much bigger than the old dare saying, just say no. Like that's, yeah, that's the most ridiculous slogan there really is. When you talk about those people that had to pick up the pieces, what would you what would you say to them or what have you said to them now that you have overcome yourself? There um you know there there's been so many times when, you know, I would get out and I would tell my mom, you know, she would, are you going to do this again? Are you promise me you're not going to do this again? And I would promise, you know, um, and I would, you know, tell my mom every step of the way, you know, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm, I'm taking these classes. I'm doing this and this and this. And, you know, uh, this last time there wasn't much I had even had a desire to say. You know, I, I could, but it was, it was, my words were meaningless to them, you know, um, and I just knew that I had to prove it, um, and I wasn't, I wasn't proving it for them anymore, you know, um, because I, I try, I used to try that, I used to try to do it for my mom, for Aaliyah, for Trayton, um, and it it didn't work. 
it never works that way. You cannot do it for anyone but yourself. So, um, you know, this time I had to do it for me because I was sick of living like that. I, I had nothing left to prove to any of those people. I had nothing left I could give to any of those people. Um, there was nothing they had that I wanted, you know, I'd been doing the same thing with some of these people for 20 years and we stay stuck that way, you know. That's just, I just wanted to stop wasting my life. I'm just wanted to build something, you know, and I know that I cannot do it. None of us will ever do it when we're doing drugs. You know, we have to be sober to do it, to do anything, um, or else we're just going to stay, you know, stuck in the addiction cycle. And it's not a thing that you can, you know, you and all your friends, hey, let's go do this together. We can do this. No, it's something you have to do by yourself. And you have to be willing to cut them all off to do it. It's it's amazing to hear you say that the me boiling this down. Once you decide that you really have nothing to lose is the point that you feel like I can, I can do this. And then it sounds weird because when you talk about, I can't go do this for my mom, I can't do it for my kids. I can't do it for this or that or the other. Once you've decided it, I got nothing to lose. Now I can start thinking about myself and doing it for me. You almost take away the power of that rejection and failure. We've talked so much about you take your power back. Because I'm not, and I, and I love what you said, and I think, man, that's powerful too. You are, and you, you blow me away with with where your mind is right now, and and I love it. Um, when you said my words are meaningless now, I got I got to prove it. You also haven't created any pressure on yourself to say. Oh no, mom, I'm going to do this, or mom, I'm doing this, or mom, this is where I, there isn't any. And, and I don't want to put that lightly, like I don't think you're trying or anything like that. I know what you're doing, but you don't have to say it. It's just step by step and day by day. And that almost goes back to this, I'm going to live in the present. And, you know, and it's interesting to me, since we started this pro project and we've, we've put out some of our stuff on social media and, and things and some of the feelers that I've gotten back um, from people like, is she good? And I, my answer has been multiple times, she's great. Well, you think, you, you think she's going to be okay this time? I can't answer that. And, and that's not, I love you. And I'm going to fight like hell right beside you to, like I've told you before, I'm not, you're not getting away from me this time. But I can answer that, and it's not my answer to make. And I'm not going to say that's, that's again, you overcoming yourself, you focusing on you. It's, it's not about me. And I've made that very clear when people have said that. This, this whole project's not about me. And you've made it very clear it's not about you, which is the really cool part of this. But it's been interesting to me as people have asked, and it's always interesting to question why they're asking how Ashley is. And so I mean, you're, you're great. And 
it's one day at a time, and that's what we're doing. Um, and the weird thing is, you don't know how much I look forward to your daily text message of what's going on, or hey, can we do this, or hey, can we do that? Because like I said, that, that shows me where you're at. Um, you're focused on what we're doing, and you're focused on your life right now. And, and I don't know that I've ever seen you like this. So it's it's pretty special, and I love how you've put that together. That it's it's for you. It's not about anybody else. It's for you, and what you're doing. We've gone a, we've gone down some pretty dark roads, so let's talk about where you're at now. So right now, right this very second, we're at JJCC, Jackson Jennings Community Corrections, and they are so nice letting me do this in here. Um, I have been here since August of last year, so close to nine months. Um, I've held a job. I've had a job for about seven and a half months now. Um, I'm working at Valio. Um, I have, um, 16 months sober. It would be two years in September. Um, but, um, you know, they gave me here, um, the program is structured like this here. You can leave after you've been here for six months if you stay out of trouble. Um, and I wasn't ready to leave. You know, um, there's something about, you know, the last time you get in trouble being, you know, 25 years. They say 25 years. Um, and... This is so structured here, you know. I was just not ready to do it yet. Um, I needed a little longer. I needed a little more support. Um, I needed to save more money. You know, I just needed to do some things for myself. And this time, I'm going to do it by myself. You know, I'm not... Um, I'm not uh, getting in over my head, you know... Um, my mom still lives in Mitchell, you know, my grandma's house is empty and, you know, she offered to let me come and live in my grandma's house. And I thought about it for a few days. I talked to my case manager about it and she's like, you've told me repeatedly, you do not want to go back to that town. And, um, you know, I was trying to go help my mom. She's got my kids. You know, she's trying to do this by herself. There's not much I can do from here. You know, I go there on Sundays. I get eight-hour passes on Sundays. Um, you know, and it's so hard for me to watch her struggle when I, you know, when I know I could be out there with a the house arrest bracelet on helping. But I know I cannot do it in Mitchell. Um, so... It's one of those things you just have to, you know, trust God 
that the right things are going to happen, that everything's going to fall into place like it should. Um, and it is. And, um, you know, I just have to stay right here, stay present, stay centered, and stay balanced, you know. How, how, how far have you come when you think about the fact that you made the decision to stay here longer than you had to? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but any other time before this, you would have gone as soon as you could have. Yeah. You would have convinced yourself. I was okay. Going, going back to your stubbornness. I can do this. You would have convinced yourself. Yeah. And I know even when we first reconnected, you said, I need a little more time here. It was exactly what you told me. And I need to save money. And I need to, you had a reasoning behind the choices you made. Yeah. You're not running anymore. No. You're, you're making long-term decisions, even though we know we're talking about staying present, but you're making long-term decisions by staying where you are. As you look towards in the future of stepping back out on your own, and we've talked a lot that it can't be in Mitchell, you talked about the support and structure here. How do you create that for yourself on your own? Here or out? Once you're out. Once I'm out. So, um, for me, I know that I have to have, I have to have my own place, um, my own space. You know, it has to be a peaceful space. It cannot be chaotic. There can't be, you know. Um, you know, roommates and things like that. I tried that in 2017 and I I don't do well like that um, I mean drug free environment you know I I can structure myself but I have to have the right environment and also you know in here I, I come back and you get you get close to these other people I am so, you know, close to these girls. They tell me about their day. I tell them about mine. We talk about all kinds of things. There's new people coming in that, you know, they're a mess. They came in a mess. And you can see yourself in them. You can sympathize with them, you know, um, encourage them. Um, the therapist here, you know, asked me to do the recovery coach training. And, um, you know, she said that a lot of the girls had mentioned me being supportive. And, you know, my case manager talked about, you know, it's helpful to have somebody who's gone through this program and is for it, you know, to help some of the other people. Because when you come in here and you don't have things to compare this to, you know, some of these girls have never been to prison. A lot of them haven't. 
um, they've never been to another work release. And it's easy when you're in those kind of positions to take things for granted and to just find things to complain about and to see all the bad in it. They don't let you do this. They took this from me, you know. Um, but when you've been in all these other situations, you're just grateful. I'm just grateful. And I get support when I give support. You know, I get encouragement when I give it. When I need something, everybody's ready to help. When somebody else needs something, I'm there. Um, so, you know, even in my own place, you know, these meetings, NA meetings, Celebrate Recovery, um, anywhere where a bunch of people in recovery can get together and just talk, you get something from it. It fills you up. It feeds you, you know, your spirit. And it just puts things in difference. You can walk into a meeting or into a room, you know, with all these people, and there's peace, there's respect. You know, people are sharing their stories, their experience, strength, hope, all that. And they're all ready to help someone else. And you can go in there with any kind of problem you think. You know, you can have any kind of day and go in there and you leave with a whole different outlook on everything. It gets you out of yourself. It gives you hope. When we think about this project and this podcast, and, you know, we've subtitled it The Ashley Freeman Story. What do you hope people take away from this? When people are sitting around the water cooler at work and they've all been listening to this because this thing's going to blow up, what do you hope they're saying? Um, I want them to know that if I can do it, anybody can. Anybody can. You know, I want them to... Um, be able to look at themselves or their family members that are going through these things and just love them that much more because, you know, I believe that there is a time for everybody, you know, to wake up, to get it, to want it. And, you know, everybody's times are different. You know, some people, they don't have to go through what I went through. You know, they can learn after one or two, you know, trial and errors. But some people just takes longer. You know, some of us are real stubborn. Um, you know, but just to not ever give up hope. There's always hope. I just want them to see it's possible. That there's life after that. On kind of a, a, a fun note here as we, we talk. Through all of this for 20 years, and I know we've said on here that we've we talked about doing this once before. Could you ever really see yourself sitting here for 
we're now at probably five or six hours that we've sat together telling your life story. Could you ever see yourself being willing or not, not even being willing, but being this vulnerable and open? Not sober. Why do you say that not sober? Because, um, I have, um, you know, all the, all these things are scary. This is not, I mean, from our first episode till now, I mean, you know, it, it was so hard. This was hard. This was hard to do. Um, public speaking's not my favorite thing. I'm not the greatest at it yet, but I'll get there, you know. Uh, this is not easy, and... You know, addicts used to avoid uncomfortable situations. And, you know, that's one of my first, um, the first things, you know, about using that I finally felt comfortable in my own skin. You know, I felt like I could do anything. I could talk to people. I was okay. You know, the anxiety was gone. Um, I didn't second guess myself, you know. And, uh, you know, it's putting yourself out there. That's scary, you know, but when you're doing it with a purpose, you're doing it with intention to help other people, to help somebody else, then, and you're dedicated to that. You just push through it. I just push through it. And I think it's amazing. We've talked a lot about rejection being kind of a center point for a lot of this. And and whenever you felt that you were rejected or you felt the possibility of rejection coming, that's when the running needed to happen. This is one of those that there could be rejection. There could be blowback on us for... Why in the hell would you put this project together? Why would you, you know, tell this story? So I just want you to know how proud of you I am, how proud of I, I am of you that you took this leap. And any hate that we get will be completely covered by the positives and you know it's it's easier said sometimes than done but let the haters hate and I think that's what I love when you talk about right there is what what you talk about when you were using that it made you comfortable in your own skin it made you have confidence you could talk to people you could do all these things but that's who I see sitting across from me right now I see the Ashley Freeman that is comfortable in her own skin, who is confident in where she is right now, who can talk to people, who is as close back to who I remember growing up with, but back then 
I didn't realize you had some of the holes that you had, but now I don't, I don't see any of them because like I've said, and you know, for people who listen to this, and I know we joked the first night, but to kind of give everybody the perspective, like this is probably the most intimate conversation I've had with somebody in a long, long time for, you know, we have sat for six and a half, seven hours together on multiple nights talking about some hard stuff, both on air and then what people don't realize is when we pause the recording, we are still talking about difficult things. It's amazing what you're willing to do. And it shows your your focus on helping and the recovery coach. And I think you having that purpose is so important. So I just want to say thank you. And I know you know how much I love you. I know you know how much I care about you. Um, I am proud of you. And I know the last time you got on to me and said, don't say I'm proud of you, but I am. And I'm proud of you for being willing to be vulnerable and being willing to open yourself up and I've told you before, but you are the strongest, bravest, and one of the most impressive human beings I know. And I want that on here. And I know that you, I know that makes your skin crawl more than anything when I say things like that to you. And I understand why. But I am not going to sit here and downplay what you have overcome and where you are right now. So thank you. Thank you. If you like what you've heard so far from Freebird, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This helps us greatly move up the charts. Also, if you want to support the work we do, please head over to our Patreon account. For $10 a month, you can not only get early access to all the episodes, behind-the-scenes content. You can also support the work that we're doing with Freebird to help support those winning the battle against addiction. Check out our theme song by Boogus, Freebird, available wherever you get your music. Trying to 
Pull my own Jupiter. Stand still, now you're close to the Lucifer. Got a Colt 45 trying to loosen up. Got a buzz online trying to boost it up. Got a dad and a mom trying to make him proud. Got a bag and a bong trying to make him pound. I'ma up my ante, touch my Grammy. Go with my family down to Miami. No, they can't control my visa. My world, I roam like Caesar. My song, my girl, my diva. Good drink, my good sativa. God knows I'm far from lousy. Lord knows I'm smoking loudly. Hot box, I'm riding cloudy. Eyes drop like Ronda Rousey. I'ma use the two legs that God gave me Go so long, bitch, I'm Tom Brady I go Kobe, drop about 80 Then I roll out in a drop top, baby 285, I do about 80 Push to the limit when I get in it I don't get high till my third blunt finish When I can't deal with the weight and the pain of the world I write my pain and I sing for the world Came from afar, ain't came for the fame But I came for the change I could bring to the world When I can't deal with the weight of the world I write my pain, I sing for the world Came from afar, ain't came for the fame But I came for the change I could bring to the world I go